Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host Robert Brining and this evening my fabulous sidekick Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I am excellent. I'm excellent. I'm excited to be back on the air. You know, we were off last week um, uh, with Christmas and everything that came upon us and New Year's coming up. It's been, you know, one hectic couple of weeks, I would say, coming up. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, because we took a week off and now we're back. Right, right. The last time we were on, we had our buddy Ken on, um, Ken Warnock, and, you know, his story, um, it, it was amazing. You can listen to it in the archives, just like any of our past shows on iTunes or on blogtalkradio.com um, backslash am. They're all there for free, so you can listen to any of them. And I'll tell you what, man, the last couple shows have really uh, picked up some listening. Uh, people have been downloading it um, an awful lot, so I, I appreciate that. I think it's a it's a good thing, and it lets me know that what we're doing here is, is really important. You know what? It, it is, but I, I definitely think that what we're doing here is really important. So, so why don't um, why don't we say this? Why why don't we say to those of you who think that Pons I Am Radio is important to you? Um, I believe there's a pen pal and a uh, a pen pal, a PayPal uh, where, you can, <laughs> where you can make donations. So Robert, why don't you um uh post the URL. I grab the URL and yeah, I'll put thank it you. into the yeah, chat put room. The URL yeah. And, and and if Yeah, and I, if, there's not there's not a specific one that I can just ramble off. I'll put it in the chat room. And also if you um are a member of the Pazi social network, um or you want to join the Pazim social network, you can go to Pazim.com. That's P O Z I A M dot com and join there, and there's actually a link in the right-hand column of the network where you can actually make a donation, and or, or it's actually a contribution because we're not a nonprofit. So, um, and what it will do will keep us running, um, you know, on the air and bringing more, you know, stories of people living with HIV, whether it's a celebrity or average day person. Um, you know, it's it, it's we're here to help and, and to get you know give people hope, and that's what this is all about. So. Again, like Jeremy said, if if you are a fan of Pause I Am Radio and would like to keep it going, just uh, log on to the social network and make a donation there, or you can contact me um, at robert at pauseiam.com for the direct link, or you can actually go to our Facebook page, um, Facebook backslash Pause I Am Radio, one word. Um, it's all there. So, um, yeah, your help I, I feel is like very an NPR, um, dry. I, I feel like the NPR uh, fundraising week. <laughs> you know when you listen to NPR and they have their drives, their fun drives. Yeah, yeah. 
That's funny. So, so how, how, first I want to say, um, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Um, or you happy hope New you had, Year. Uh, yes, and Happy New Year, which will be in two days. Uh, we hope that, you know, everyone had a, a good time and, and got to spend time with people they love and, you know, have a healthy New Year. It's, um, it's amazing. I can't believe that we're going on five years. I know. Doing this I can't believe it either. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. How things have just really changed and um, have really evolved and, and, and progressed the way they have. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the other things that I did want to um, real quickly uh, talk about was um, the Positive Living Conference that we have been, you know, I've been going to for the past two years. I was planning on going to it in 2013, as I'm sure you were too, Jeremy. Um, you know, I think there, Oasis is a company that actually, AIDS Oasis that um, runs the um, the conference is uh, going through some financial issues and they're looking for a way to keep this conference going. Um, it's usually in March, and I think this year they are trying to, because of the issues that they're having financially, they're pushing it back to September from what I heard, um, but they're trying to raise the funds to keep this conference going. Now, this conference is the best conference that I've ever attended. I mean, there's over 400 people that attend this conference. 99% of the people that are there are HIV positive, and it is the only conference that I've gone to where – I've made connections with people for life. Um, you know, it's it's more about the people living with HIV, and it's not necessarily the statistics or you know um, uh, the government stuff or and trying to get you know bills signed and writing letters. It's more strictly about the person living with HIV and helping them through different you know uh, they do uh, what do you call them app courses there. Um, like me and Jeremy did one um, for the last two years, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 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 two years. So, actually, I was there for three years, so the last – no, we only did it one year together. No, 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 yeah, yeah, but, you did it for two. <laughs> right, so something. what we did is yeah. we did one on uh, using social media to find support, um, you know, for people living with HIV, and, and we covered that topic. But there's things – people who are there who uh, do things on relationships. Um, Robert Suttle and Monique Moray was there, and they did a uh, – and Sean Strube, uh, the one year, did a, uh, a, a workshop on HIV criminalization. I mean, there's different things. There's our, our friend Kathy who uh, has a show called Straight Talk with Kathy, and she, you know, does one just specifically for women in HIV. So there's a lot of different things there, but this conference is so important to those living with HIV that I think that people need to also try to help either get sponsors or, or make donations. Any amount is, is worth keeping this, you know, conference going, and um, I believe it's AIDSOasis.org. Uh, I will check that as well and put that in the chat room for everyone uh, once we get our guests on. But it's it's just something that it needs to be saved. It, it is historical, um, and it's been going on, I want to say, I think 13, 14 years, I think. I could even be wrong. Actually, it could be 15, 16. I forget what number we're at. But regardless, it has helped so many people living with HIV that it, it just needs to continue. So ageoasis.org, check it out. Uh, try to go make a donation and help them out. And we've had Butch McKay on, the guy who runs the conference, the amazing Butch McKay. Uh, he's been on the show a few times talking about the conference, either uh, a pre-conference show we do or a post. And, um, you know, he has an amazing story himself, and I just think that 
for him to keep this going on for so many years, it's something that needs to be saved. And I think all of us activists and people living with HIV need to come together and, and, and help this organization, um, you know, stay on its feet and, and keep this conference going because it, it changed my life and I know it's changed many people's lives who I've spoke to there who, you know, either attended for the first time or have been going, you know, for all 13, 14, 15, whatever number we're at years. It's, it's important, so uh, keep it going. So, um, I mean, it's extremely important. So I think that it's something that people need to, uh, to do. I mean, conferences don't – there's not that many. There's not that many that people are able to afford. There's not that many. Like the International AIDS Conference we went to, that was outrageous. Like the registration was like $800 just for registration. I mean, the average person living with HIV who is paying $1,200 or more for their meds, you know, two grand a month for their medications, is not able to afford to go to these conferences. And this was one of those conferences where there was always scholarships available and Butch did his best to get people to come um, who, you know, who've never been there before and offer scholarships to those people who weren't able to afford it. And it, yeah, it, it's, you have to definitely um, try to help this uh, AIDS Oasis out because it's an incredible conference. But, you know, I don't even know many conferences that are coming up. I mean, do you know of any of them that are coming up? I mean, somebody told me AIDS Watch was coming up in D.C., um, I want to say in February, I know there's another one that's coming. I could be wrong, too, with the, um, the conference name, but I know there's one in D.C. coming up in February or March. There's one in Colorado that's coming up in March. Um, so there's a couple of them, but there's not that many. I'm sure the ADAPT one, um, depending on, um, on how we do the ADAPT Advocacy Association, will have another one in D.C. Um, this summer. But we really need to, you know, to save these conferences because they save lives and, and they make um, people living with HIV feel normal again to meet other people, you know? And, and, and no, that's true. It's absolutely true. And we need to make these conferences um, a lot more accessible. Yes. You know what I mean? I wish I could um, start my own conference, but um, I think it would be, it would be, you know, a cool thing to do. It's like one of my goals to, to run a conference for people um, so they can, you know, come in. And like the positive living is, is amazing, and it's in, um, it's in Florida, and not everybody can go there. And I think to have one somewhere in the middle, even in Philadelphia, just on the East Coast where people are able to drive to, you know what I mean? Because Florida, it, it's not just Florida. It's like in the panhandle and over kind of like Louisiana. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit of a distance, but I think having one over here on the East Coast that people can attend every year, you know, up in our, you know, the tri-state area, up in like New York, Philly, Delaware, New Jersey, Maryland, this area, there's so many people there who are living with HIV that aren't able to go to those and just to have something where they can come to that isn't outrageously priced. You know what I mean? Like that's the problem is people cannot afford to go to these things, so... That's why yeah, it needs to be saved. I just put the link in the chat room. Cool. So I see that our guest is on tonight. So tonight we have a, one of my friends, okay? He, he's an awesome, awesome guy. Um, I love him to death. Uh, we were actually hanging out last night at a bar here in um, Philly called Sisters. It's a lesbian bar. And, you know, he, he's just an incredible guy. He is so brave. Uh, just recently he has come out. 
um, publicly about his HIV status via Facebook, um, which is kind of something that a lot of people I noticed have been doing uh, lately now. Like, they don't go, like, for me, I went individually to my friends and did this face-to-face conversation every time, and it can be dreadful. You know, having the same conversation and having to lift people up when they feel they need to have pity on you before, you know, they feel bad for you because you're telling them that you're HIV positive. Being able just to put it up on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you are on, or on Pause I Am and just posting it, um, it, it's like a one click and you're like, boom. And it's out there and everybody sees it, you know what I mean? And I'm curious to find out what kind of reactions he's gotten from his family and friends. Um, who who didn't know before he posted it because he's only been diagnosed for two years. Uh, uh, he's somebody who I've actually uh, met here at my local support group at the Mazzoni Center in Philly, and you know uh, we clicked instantly. I mean, besides our, our last names being a letter off, um, you know we knew a lot of people in common, and you know he's just an incredible human being. So uh, help me welcome uh, James Brennig to the show. Welcome, James. Hey, oh, did I make it through? You made it, girl. <laughs> oh, my God, I never get on the radio. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you are calling 99. <laughs> oh, God. And you just How won. You? <laughs> <laughs> We're great. How How's are you? I'm doing fantastic. I mean, it's good to talk to you again. It is good to talk with you again. Um, <laughs> How have you been? It's been a few months. It has been a few months. Yes, I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about you, James. Well, um, I heard you guys talking about um, how I I recently came out uh, with my status on Facebook, and um, I totally agree with the the sitting, like, down one-on-one with person, like, with whoever, you know, I wanted to disclose to, was just mind-numbing. So I had the luxury of someone who is not so nice to disclose for me to a few of my family and friends, um, which was a huge mess, but, you know, it kind of got out there. And um, Before I went ahead and, and put it all on Facebook, I, I sat down with um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, because she was really the last person that I, that I really wanted to tell in person. I didn't want her to find out through someone else or, you know, to hear it, like, through the grapevine. So sat down with her and told her she took it very well and then uh, drove home and just kind of put it out there on Facebook. So, you know, I remember that, James, when uh, we were talking and you were like, you know, don't tag me on anything yet on Facebook until <laughs> exactly. I have this conversation with my grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because you were so, you were a little concerned. You were concerned about that. So, so how? I mean, you said that you know she was fine with it, but I mean, how was the reaction? Was she? I mean, did, was there some education that you had to do because you know maybe she may not be familiar with um, you know, how far the advances? Yeah, I mean, there was it, there was a little bit of education, and she and I think it was the way um, that I came to her with it. I wasn't. Um, I mean. Inside, I was really nervous, um, but I, I kept, you know, I kept it like cool and collected on the outside. And I just, it was a very matter of fact, you know, this is, you know, what I've been dealing with. I, you know, um, I'm doing really well with it now, and I just wanted to let you know. And it was just kind of, you know, kind of like that. And she took it really well. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. let's back it up a little bit with your, 
with, with your with your story and tell me a little bit of um what made you one go get tested mm-hmm. and then when you did get the results back um what was that like for you so i uh, made it a point to get tested every six months, um, you know, regardless if I was, if I had a, um, you know, partner or anything, um, just for my own, I guess, uh, state of mind, just so I knew, you know, what was going on. Um, and so when I went and got tested, it was November 2nd, it was a little in the afternoon, and when I got, when I sat back down with, uh, with the tester at the Washington West Center, I knew like instantly something was up and she said your test results came back positive and my whole body my entire body went numb like I just got the chills and I just looked at her and I, I just said I just kept saying like what <laughs> what like what are you talking about I was positive I just was not prepared for that at all um so it was it was a really really rough day really rough day so you know, so, getting those results, it's always a rough day. What did you do after? I mean, what what did what did you where did you go? What did you do? Who did you talk to? Um, so at the 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 person that I was with at the time, um, we had gone and gotten tested together. Um, so when we left the Washington West project, uh, we made a few phone calls. <laughs> I I instantly you know started making phone calls. Um, to try and get set up with a case manager uh, over at Mazzoni Center and just basically uh, trying to get the next steps. Um, you know, when I first left the, the Washington West Project, I, I, like, literally almost fell to my knees because I, I was just, like, I, I could not even believe that, you know, I just got tested positive and, um, you know, collected myself and just made some calls um, and it was i mean the the rest of that day was really like um like a like a dream like I didn't really feel like it was real uh I remember we went to uh Silk City, which is like a diner here in Philadelphia, and uh just sitting down at the at the at the table just eating and I was just like i i in my head I just kept saying like i don't I have no idea what I'm gonna do like I don't know how I'm gonna you know get through tomorrow or the day after that um I just remember feeling completely and totally like helpless. Now, James, how educated were you about HIV and AIDS before you, you tested positive? And then my follow-up to that is, did you know anybody prior to your diagnosis that was positive? So, honestly, I I really wasn't very educated in it. Um, I knew I knew that it wasn't as serious as it was, you know, back in the 80s. Um, I knew that it really was just like a couple of pills a day, you know, take it and you just try and do, you know, eat better, exercise, and you'll be and you'll be fine. Um, but still, you know, when it happens to you, you just think that your life, you know, is, is over. Um, and I didn't I, – I, I knew a few people who had been diagnosed HIV positive, um, not – on a very personal level, um, but I knew that they were they were living completely normal lives. Well, I guess as normal, you know, as you can say. But they were t- they were whatever normal means, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they weren't like you know sick and like look emaciated. You know what I mean? Like what a lot of people I feel like 
you know, when they hear, oh, that person, you know, is HIV positive or has AIDS, they just picture this, like, really frail, like, you know, person, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. That they do. Yeah. So, so after you, I mean, because this was two years ago that you were you were diagnosed positive, um, you know, you got hooked up with Mazzoni, you got yourself a case manager, um, how did you come across, or how, well, I know how you found support, but tell, tell those who don't know, how, how did you find support and, and how did you, you know, how were you able to lift your head back up again and, and be proud of who you are? Oh, that is a really good question. I like that. <laughs> um, so I, I, went, I went to Mazzoni, um, and, and they had mentioned that there was a support group that met every Tuesday. And it took me a few months um, to actually get the courage to go. Um, I had gone, I had, you know, seen my my counselor, I want to say maybe for like three or four months, you know, like once a week, once every other week. And we would just talk about, you know, what was on my mind and, um, you know, medications and and stuff like that, just kind of, you know, checking in. And it was nice to have someone um, to talk about that with freely. Uh, so I finally got the courage to, to go to the group at Mazzoni on one Tuesday night. And, um, and like, you know, it, it's, it's not the same. If, if I miss a Tuesday night, my, my whole week is, is thrown off. Like I just, the people in that group have absolutely, you know, saved my life. Um, and I think when I was able to, to lift my head up again, it was, because of all the, the support that I got uh, from everyone who attended that um, the support group, um, and it was it was that, and it was the support from from family and friends too. All right, what, what were the um, the reservations or the the thoughts that you were thinking that kind of made you afraid to go to the support group? Because we all kind of had those thoughts in our head of certain things. Yeah. So I'm curious of what yours were. Um, a big one was, am I going to know someone there? And is that person going to go and tell, you know, that person? And then all of a sudden all these people that I don't know are going to know, you know, this, this secret that, I, that I'm holding. Um, it was that, and it was just I'm just kind of a shy person <laughs> to begin with. So um, I just kind of bit the bullet, and I was like, I'm just going to do this. Uh, and it was, I mean, I can remember walking into the room. I remember what I was wearing, like that, everything. is. Everyone was so welcoming and just really warm and just like, you know, you don't have to feel judged, you know, about why you're here. Like, we get it. Right. No, I mean, it makes sense. And, I mean, I obviously, you know, for those who who listen to may not know, you know, I go to the same support group that you go to, and it's saved my life, too. I mean, I previously went to one before when I first started, and it – for me, I just felt disconnected. But I was also just newly diagnosed, and I was 21 years old, and I went in there thinking, you know, like, I'm so young, and these guys are so much older than me. You know, I, I couldn't. Re- I felt like I couldn't relate to them. That was the thing that I felt. You know, I kept telling yep. myself, you're not going to relate to this person. I always found my difference, you know, the differences that I had with the people in the room. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, I mm-hmm. guess, until I started going to NA, you know, when I started going to NA meetings, that kind of allowed me to open up more and accept people for who they are and learn from them no matter what they looked like, where they came from, or what their story was. Because in the end, we all had the same issue, which was addiction. 
But that kind of thought process is kind of what I used when I entered the rooms of the, the support group because I needed to not feel like I was different from them. We all were there for the same reason. You know, we were all different yep. ages, all different colors, and, you know, it, we were just there to get support. And at the end of the day, if they're going to run around and tell people that I have HIV, you know, they, they have it too. They're here. Exactly. Yep. And that's what's so cool about about the group is is the diversity. Do you know what I mean? Liz? I I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I like hearing the different stories about different struggles that you know that that this person went through. You know, is different, but it's similar in a way to you know what that person went through. And it's all basically the same, um, like fight that, that we're all dealing with. So and it's just nice to have a group of people who get it. But who get they get exactly what you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely um that's why I love going to conferences so much. And speaking of um conferences, I don't want to jump too much, but you actually came down with our um a friend of ours, Kevin, um, and went to the uh, International AIDS Conference and, yep. and you actually met me and Jeremy there. Uh, what was that yes. like for you to go to that? Because you were you know, it's still somewhat newly diagnosed, I mean, under two years. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really I was really excited about it. Um, my my goal now is I just I really want to get educated. Like I just want to learn as much as I possibly can about it. Um, so I, I wanted to come down just to kind of be surrounded by um, by people who I guess are advocates for it. Um, and I, I just wanted it to be a learning experience. And it was really it was really um, moving, I guess, to see so many people. In the same place, just fighting for the same thing, and um, it was just—it was really—it was just really nice. Aside from it being, you know, 400 degrees outside, <laughs> it was a really good <laughs> oh, it was—it was miserable. It was so <laughs> hot. <It> so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. It was raining. We had umbrellas. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> the 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 humidity was so bad. Ugh. It's terrible. Oh. <laughs> so you want to learn more. You want to, you know, what do you hope to get um, or what do you hope to do with the with what you learn, with the knowledge that you learn, with, with everything that you're – and everything that you have been learning? Um, I, I want to help. I want to help people. Um, I'm, one of the big, big reasons why I came out uh, with my status on Facebook um, – you know, wasn't for anything other than I want people to talk about it, um, because what I've heard from uh, from from a lot of people, you know, you try and talk to some to certain people about it, and I guess they're uncomfortable with it, and they don't want to talk about it. Even and I want that to kind of change. I want the, the stigma is still, you know, burning bright <laughs> around it, and that's um, I, I feel like that is a huge issue. Uh, so I just want to help people who, you know, are newly diagnosed, who who are going through what what I did, what you did, what everyone did when when you first find out that you're HIV positive. Um, and I I really just want, like, I would hate for someone to have to to feel what I felt or what anyone felt. That shock, that like that fear when you find out that you're positive. Um, you know, they're going to have that, but I want them to just know you're going to be fine. You know, there are steps to take, and, you know, there's more than enough support out there for you. So, what, you know, 
what do you, James, what is it that uh, you're looking for from people? Um, uh, oh, a, a question just popped up here. I just got a private chat. Uh, what are the, some of the reactions that you got? Well, let me get to that in a minute. But what what was it? How did your parents take it? Um, Sam. So <laughs> this is where it gets a little emotional. So um, my mom found out from from someone else. Um, the person that I had been dating uh, was a, not a very good relationship, and. He, without me knowing, disclosed my status to my mom uh, about five months before I came, before I was going to come to her and tell her myself. Um, so she had about five months, I think, of just like absolutely just worrying, not not really knowing um, if it was true, uh, and that was that was really hard um, to see her like as upset as she was. Um, because she was under the impression, you know, that six months from now I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be dead, and it was really hard to to get her away from that. Um, and so I took her with I took her with me to uh, a doctor's appointment, and also uh, the case manager management um, supervisor, I guess, over at Mazzoni, He took time away from his schedule to sit down with my mom and I, and you know, he just said, "Ask away. You know, any questions you have." And he answered a lot of the questions, and you could, I could tell that she was a lot more comfortable with it. Um, my dad, I told in person, uh, he lives he lives down in Florida, so I, I went down. Um, well, I was going down anyway, like as a little vacation, just to to see him. So I told him, and uh, he again was was upset, um, and it, it just took a lot of, uh, I guess, coercing to tell him. I'm going to be fine, you know, you, like, you can worry because, like, you're my dad or whatever, but you don't have to worry. Um, and I don't, they weren't upset at me. I think they were just upset because, you know, they think that it is just this huge thing that I have to deal with now. Um, but they're both, you know, they both ask all the time, you know, how's your meds, how you doing, how you feel. So it, it, they've, they've come around. So I have a question for you. I don't want to dwell too much on the negative part of it, um, but Mm -hmm. so when the other person disclosed to to your mother, basically, or or said it to your mother, um, your mother, one, was unsure, right, if it was true. And then did you not find out that he did that until you actually did disclose to her, or did you know that already beforehand? Exactly, yeah. I I was unaware that he had done that. Um, He had actually sent her a text. Um, that was something along the lines of, um, actually, I'm not really sure exactly what it said. So I had come home from actually seeing my case, my uh, case manager. Um, I'm sorry, my counselor. And it was funny because that day, you know, the past couple of times that I had spoken with him, I was like, you know, I got to tell, I have to tell my parents because it's eating me up inside and I just don't think that it's fair to keep it from them. Um, mm-hmm. So I came home and... Um, she she looked at me and I, and it was just one of those moments again where I was just like here we go I know exactly you know she's like I need to talk to you I know exactly what she was going to say and she said you know uh, this person sent me a text and said that uh, you gave him HIV and this was months you know uh, of 
like worrying about like how am I going to tell her? Like how is she going to take it? And I just was like, Mom, I'm HIV positive, and instant, you know, just such a huge weight off my shoulders that you know she was upset and started crying. We had to you know kind of sit down and talk about it. Um, but I was, I really wasn't shocked about uh, the person sending the text message because that's just um, who he is, I guess. Uh, right. But he had he had also done it to my cousin, uh, my two cousins, and one of my aunts. So right. it, at that point, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> like I just, it's you know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's, yeah. Well, that shows you the character, you know. Yeah. When yep. somebody does something like that. Um, so what? So uh, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the bottom of the hour, and uh, well, we are speaking with. <laughs> did you say perfect? Did I say perfect? <laughs> no, no, no. I just said it was <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I said we are at the bottom of the hour, and uh, we're talking with James Brenning, and not to be confused with Robert Brenning. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, we're talking about James's uh, uh, story here about, you know, coming to terms with being HIV positive and telling his family. And uh, what we wanted to kind of turn the conversation now to is, you know, we're, we, we talk about disclosure all the time, uh, disclosure to parents, disclosure to friends, disclosure to family. You went out and you disclosed on Facebook. Can yep. you um, can 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 describe some of the reactions that you got? What made you think, first of all, that to to post it on Facebook, and and what are some of the reactions that you've gotten since then? So I wanted to I wanted to put it out there because there was a lot of reasons. One, I you know I wanted I wanted people to you know even if they maybe know someone else who is HIV positive, now that you know someone else who is HIV positive and is living, like, a normal life. Um, and also, I, me personally, I, I don't like hiding it. Um, this way, you know, it's out on the tables. Uh, I'm, not, like, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Um, and I really, like I said, I just want to, I wanted to help people who were dealing with, who were in the same position that I'm in. Um, and it wasn't, you know, about being brave or about anything other than um, I wanted to start conversations, and that's exactly what it did. Uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, the next day at work uh, came up to me and, you know, were saying like, "Oh, we're so proud of you," and you know, that's really awesome that you uh, came out with it. And a couple people told me, oh, "I know, I know someone who, you know, was HIV positive," and it was just really nice. Um, I I got a card, you know with this little, uh, like, guardian angel gold chain thing, like, you know, made this always look over It was really, I actually had to go into my boss's conference room because I, I, like, broke down because it was just really overwhelming, the amount of support uh, that came that came through uh, through Facebook and, you know, just in person. It was, it was really awesome. Did you happen to get any negative responses? Not a single one. Nope. I mean, at least not <laughs> not on Facebook or not to my face. Um, and you know, <laughs> even if people, you, it's it's not my problem if you have an issue with it. So, yeah, it was nothing no, but I, love, nothing but support. It was really cool. No, that's awesome because you know so many people are so hesitant to 
post anything about themselves being positive on Facebook. I mean, some people would think absolutely. that all three of us are absolutely crazy for doing it, and they would never imagine doing it in a hundred years. I you know what I mean? That. But what? <laughs> I've never done that. No, never. Um, no, but. <laughs> You know, but it just it just goes to show you that we are so wrapped up in the stigma that I think the way that we think about it actually feeds the stigma. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. the way that we're going to end end the stigma is really by as a quote from your bio, James, is breaking the silence ourselves. You know what I mean? Yep. It's what we need to do. We feed that stigma. So once we remove the stigma from ourselves, then other people will not feel that need to you know, have that old thought process of, oh, my God, he's going to die or he's going to get thin and sick and or, you know, he's going to look this yeah. way. And and I think it's very brave what you did. Um, you know, well, thank you. It took, me five, <laughs> it took me five years for me to fully accept my status and move on with it, you know what I mean, and actually talk about mm-hmm. it on TV, on, TV, on, um, <laughs> on Facebook or Twitter. So for me, it's, you know, it, I think it's it's very brave, and I think that, you know, other people should, should try it. I think it's a, it's a good way to get and, it out there and, and not have to worry about it. Absolutely. And you had a really good point is even, you know, even people in our community, like the gay community that, or anyone that's HIV positive, there there are people who don't want to talk about it also. Do you know what I mean? And that's, you know, I'm not saying to, to go out there and you should, you know, absolutely tell everyone because that's not how everyone works. But it's got to start with, <laughs> like, who is who is actually dealing with being HIV positive, you gotta you gotta talk about it. You know what I mean? It's not gonna go away. So all you can do is is pick up and move on and live your life. I remember um, uh, probably within a couple of months after I was diagnosed, I wasn't even getting out of bed. Like I mean, to to go to work was was literally like painful. Like I I just had given up. I actually watched. I I stopped paying my bills because I just didn't care. I actually watched my car get repossessed out of my driveway at 4 o'clock in the morning. I watched it. And that was the moment where I I said to myself, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like what I'm doing, sitting around, like, you know, moping, it's not getting me anywhere. And it's getting things, (laughs) like, taken away from me that I need to to function. And literally the next day I I was like, I got to do, I got to do something. So I think that's when I really got um, the courage up to go to the support group. I was like, I have to talk about it because I'm, I'm not telling anyone about it, and it's eating me up inside. So. Oh, well, I think that's great. Um, one of the things I, I want to do real quick now is I want to open the phone lines and have people call in. If anybody would like to call in and uh, speak to James or you have a question or a comment, you can call us at 347-215-9442. And press the one button so we know you want to come on and speak live on the air. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll be speaking more with James Brennick. We'll be right back. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. And there we are. We are back here. You're listening to Pause Iron Radio, Robert Brining, Jeremy Dunn, and our fabulous guest, James Brennan. Hey, James. Hey. 
How are you? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, the lines are open, 347-215-9442, and press the one button if you have a question or a comment for, um, for us here live on the air. So, uh, recently you actually uh, took part in two videos where you actually disclosed your status. And these yeah. were, if I'm correct, these were filmed actually before you even Facebook disclosed your status, right? That is correct, yep. So, so tell us a little bit about rolling. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit so, about those. So, the first one I did was for uh, the Philly Dugler Award, which is an award that's going to be um, given to a nonprofit organization in Philadelphia. There are, I think, um, I, I can't, I can't remember the amount of money. I think it's like twenty-five thousand um, dollars gets, you know, donated to the nonprofit that wins. So basically, um, they wanted people to come in who utilize Mazzoni's, uh services and just kind of talk about, you know, what Mazzoni has done for you. And um, it was really cool. I just kind of um, that one. I, I briefly told my story. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of, like I said, kind of, kind of got the ball rolling. And then it was really weird. I think maybe a week later, um, we did the interview for Edge for World AIDS Day, um, and that one was, that one was was really cool. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and that one, when uh, my video was chosen to go onto the website on December first, so they did every hour they added a new video. Um, so that was really cool, um, and I had a couple people come up to me that I, because I don't, I didn't know who saw that video, you know, because it's out, uh -huh. thousands of people could have seen it, you know what I mean? But um, I remember going into Mazzoni the one, the one day, and um, Patrick, who actually was the first person that I met up with at Mazzoni, came out and gave me this really big hug, and he was like, you know, I saw your video um, on Edge, and I just think that's like really cool, and it meant a lot to me coming from him because he. You know, was really like the first person that uh, I met up with over at Mizoni. So, yep. Yeah, I I, I just uh, I just put the the URL in the chat room for people to uh, to go and actually check out the videos that were um, released um, for the Edge on the net for World AIDS Day. Actually, uh, if you click that link and you scroll down, the videos are on your left, and uh, James's video is at 6 p.m. And then if you um, have time, you can watch the one at 11 p.m. too. That's uh, somebody else you'll see who uh, might look familiar to you. Um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? That was fun. That was a fun um, experience doing that with um, Robert Sanders. Yeah. Um, it was just laid back. It was, a, it was a very cool interview. You know, he was a, a great person to do it. I thought the videos came out great. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. Yep. It's funny because the first thing that I did um, before I came out publicly um, about my status was a video too, and I guess it was just a it's a little bit easier, you know what I mean, yep. to do that than mm -hmm. to actually write the words on Facebook. So oh, totally. Again, yeah, it's, it's something it's very brave for anyway. you to do, and everyone who did it, I thought it was an awesome project, and they can check Definitely. that out there um, in the link. So we were speaking about disclosure earlier. Tell me, um, what is who was the hard, the person that was the hardest to tell about your status? Ooh, the hardest. Um, honestly, I would, even though it was it was kind of done for me, <laughs> um, my my mom, because I know uh, she she worries a lot. So that was really tough, um, and it was hard for me because of the way that that she found out. 
Like that just it really sucked. To be totally blunt, like it really sucked. <laughs> so, because um, mm-hmm. I, I I knew I was gonna have to do a lot of damage control because, um, you know, she really wasn't, um, I guess, up to speed with how far you know medication has come these days. And and it's you know not that it isn't a serious thing, but it's not a death sentence anymore. Um, and that's what I tried to keep telling her. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's something that a son, you know, telling his mother is like, I think that is the hardest thing because you don't know one, you know, there's obviously a age difference between, you know, us and our mothers, and there's a, they lived in a different time when HIV was a death sentence and people were <laughs> dying. Yeah. Sorry, Are you laughing at me? That sounded funny, Robert. They lived in a different <laughs> time and a different place. Well, but what I'm saying is... It was is a long, is, long time ago and a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. But, you know what I mean? Like, they experienced... They experienced HIV and AIDS, you know, when people were dying and people were going to funerals left and right about it. And there was, you know, it was on the TV all the time and it was always that people were dying of it. You know what I mean? And kind of since media has kind of put AIDS and HIV on the back burner, you don't really hear about it too much anymore. I mean, recently you heard a spike in the news when there was the Travada. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't see, excuse me, I didn't see a single ounce of news media on normal television, on regular news, about Timothy yeah. Ray Brown, you know, being yeah. the first one cured of it. So for me, I mean, I think the media plays a lot into the stigma, too, with, you know, they're not putting it out there and educating the world. I mean, we activists can't do it one by one. You know, we're not yeah. able to do it ourselves. Absolutely. You know, that's so I think, yeah, no, I agree. So, you know, I think as a son, you know, especially a gay son telling your mother, you know, it is that that was the hardest for me to tell. Even though she was, like, the second person, third person I told, like, I immediately, like, I was diagnosed and, like, within two days I told her. You know what I mean? It was, like, immediate. So um, I felt I had to do it right away. It was, like, because my mom's, like, my best friend and she kind of, like, knew everything about me growing up. And it was just, like, she was who I talked to. I didn't go and talk to my dad about things. I went to my mom. I was a mama's boy. I still am. <laughs> that's why I live with my mother. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that that's a common denominator in who is the hardest to tell, you know, you know, is our mother, especially our, our parents, but especially our mother. And and they know what's going on, too. My mom's my mom told me, she's like, I knew, I knew there was something, um, you know, because I didn't realize it, but looking back, my behavior completely changed. You know what I mean? Like, it was for a few months, I was coming home, <clears throat> not talking, going straight to bed, going to work, mm-hmm. coming home, going to bed. You know what I mean? Um, and then every Tuesday, you know, I was somewhere <laughs> until you know eight thirty nine o'clock at night. Um, and that's what I just I just didn't like, you know, having to make up a story where I, where I'm going because because what I was doing wasn't bad. You know what I mean? I was I was getting help. I was you know I was doing it for me so I was like you know what I'm done hiding <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore and it just it felt really good to just get it out there and you know if people don't like it that's that's fine you know but for me I just I it was eating me up inside I just couldn't deal with it no I understand that mm-hmm. I I totally understand um, how that is when you when you're constantly making stuff up and, um, you, you know, you're hiding. It, it's almost like coming out as being gay again. Uh, Absolutely. Definitely. You know? 
it's this underground yeah. thing. I think anytime you, anytime that we come out, we it's a process. It's this process where you have to take it one step at a time, and 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 it's you know we call it we call it coming out of the closet when you're gay. We call it disclosing when you're um, HIV positive. It's all the same thing. It's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's coming out, but it's also coming. It's it's a process for us as the individual who's either gay or HIV positive. It's coming to terms with our own status, our own sexual orientation. And that process takes a long time and it's different for every person. So yet, you know, James was able to, you know, come on here and share a story in two years where there's other people who've been positive for 15 years and won't even think about coming on a show like this to share their story. So, you know, it's a process and it's different for everybody. But we do have a caller, so I want to go over to the phone lines and um, I want to bring area code 202. Um, you're live on the air with Pause Iron Radio. Who's this? Hey, Robert. It's Justin B. Terry Smith. How are you? Good, Justin. How are you? Good, good. I just wanted to say to, um, to James, um, good going guy, and um, stick in there, hang in there. I've been positive for, oh, gosh, uh, seven years now, so and very open with it myself. But, yeah, yeah, lead by example. Good on you. Awesome. Thank you really much. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. No problem. No problem. Robert, I will see you, hopefully talk to you soon. Yes. Have a good one. And Happy you New too. Year Have to you both. Happy New Year to you too. Thank you. Bye. And that was um, Justin, actually. He has a, a blog on the body. Um, and yes. It's called Justin's HIV yep. Journal. Uh, we actually read his stuff at the, in, in groups, James. I, yeah, as soon as he said his name, I knew exactly. I knew exactly who it was. That was really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he's a very cool guy. Actually, him and his partner um, were just on his husband, not his partner. Him and his husband were actually just on our show a few weeks ago, talking about mm-hmm. what it was like to be positive parents and um, you know, because they have a foster son. So um, yep. it was kind of cool yep. to get that insight. So yeah, if you guys want to call in, we got about ten minutes left. Three four seven two one five. 9442 and uh, press the one button so we know you want to come on air um, if you have a question. Um, so, yeah, um, so you did attend the International AIDS Conference, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about um, that, I know we touched briefly on it earlier, um, what was it like for you to see the, the AIDS grill? Uh, very, very, very emotional. Um, I mean, I know every, I think everyone says that about the grill, but that's what it is. Um, just to see it, because I've always seen pictures of it, um, but to see it in person, um, you know, just to see, like, the, the different pictures and the drawings on the quilt uh, was just, was really incredible. Um, you know, it's it's amazing because it's such a great, uh, I guess, homage to, you know, who, to the people that have passed, but it's also just really, um, I don't want to say sad, but it, it, just to see how many lives it's claimed is is just it was really it was really emotional. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's, I, for me I feel like it's just, it's like a slap in the face. Um, it really wakes you up and lets you know how fortunate we are to be living with HIV in you know 2012 almost 2013, and you know. The struggle and the process, you know, what they've went through. It's like we, it, it's important for us and people who are newly diagnosed to see this because it, it's the history of our people. It puts it into perspective. I, I agree 100, 100%. Yeah. 
you know. Hmm. I mean, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it at conferences and at the AIDS walk here in Philly, but to actually go and see, I, I mean, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, that was like the entire bit of it, correct, or most of it? Repeat that last part of it. You, you the, the, the AIDS quilt that was at the International AIDS Conference, was that the entire quilt? Yes. What it was, it was spread out over in different – because they couldn't put it all in one location. Yeah. Right. So um, they actually had pieces of the quilt laid out in different venues. Mm. So that's to tell you the magnitude of – Absolutely, yeah. Of, of the size of the quilt. And uh, not and so when you look at the quilt itself, each of those three by six panels represents one person. Mm-hmm. And there were millions of them, or well over a million, I think, something like that. Yep. Um, and and the the reason, you know, in just a quick history, the reason why they did the panels in a three by six. What usually comes in a three by six shape, in a rectangle three by six shape? Well, I know that answer, but I'm not going to answer it. I'll let James. Do you know? Ugh, I I don't know. It's 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 your grave plot. Ah, yeah. It's three feet Which wide, six feet long. Yep. Um, and uh, so that was the meaning behind it, and that's why they uh did the did them in in this in this very uh in that in that way because it was a representation. It really was at the time it was to get the government to wake up and mm-hmm. say, yep. Look, look here. All of these people are dead. And you've done nothing to help. And and since then it's taken on a much broader meaning mm-hmm. of um of uh 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 uh, uh of saying, you know, never forget, always remember our loved ones and what they died for. So there you go. And, and I think the the interesting part is the quilt. It, for me, I, I mean, it represents you know, it represents those that have passed. But it, it's something beautiful to me. I go there and when I saw the stories and you see the pictures of people, it's just a beautiful way to to remember people. And I think mm-hmm. that it, the stories, the poems that they have on there, I mean, I remember reading them. I mean, I, I went to the, I think there was a some international museum building there in D.C. where they um, were using one of the images that I, I took of the quilt on their brochure. So I wanted to go there, and they had it all laid out. And this was after it rained because they cleared it up from where they had it on the, where was it, the field or wherever we were at, where they had the march. And these letters that these people write, um, they're so touching, the poems, the, just the little stories about, you know, their Uncle Joe or their Uncle this, and it, it touched me. Like, I was bawling my eyes out walking around mm-hmm. this museum reading these letters, and I swore that every other quilt had the name Robert on it, which made it even worse for me because <laughs> I felt yeah. like I had more of a connection. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's touching, and it's not just adults. It's not just gay men. It's all people from all walks of life, kids, children, you know, children, infants, Mothers, grandmothers, sons, husbands, you know, like all different people are represented on these quilts. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. So if you ever have the opportunity to see it, 
you know, if you have – I don't know if they do the AIDS walk in New York, if they have pieces of the quilt there too, but I know they do it in Philly every year. They bring, you know, different ones. Like this year uh, they had um, a Freddie Mercury one. They had an Easy e um, yep. channel this year. Um, what's the, the Keith Haring? They had, they had a whole bunch of different ones. And it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful way to, to, you know, to remember people and the fight. Yeah, it really is. Definitely. Yes. Um, so I do see we're winding down to about the last three minutes. So, James, we'll end the, the interview with the same question that we ask everybody. And, Jeremy, I'll let you ask it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what's your favorite curse word? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hamburger. <laughs> hamburger, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, if someone come to, came to you today, James, and they said, I just tested positive for HIV. What's the one piece of advice you would give them? Oh, piece of advice. Um, I I would just tell them um, to to start making phone calls and, and get help and get connected with people who uh, are willing to help and that want to help. And I, and I think, and that's really strange because I've, I've thought about that, um, you know, about someone coming to me and just being like, you know, where, where I was November 2nd, you know, at mm-hmm. 2.30 in the afternoon when I found out. Um, and I would just look at them and I would just say, say all right, well, what's, what are your next steps? What are you going to do? You know, I'm not going to sit there and, and be, oh, I'm so sorry and blah, blah. You know, it is what it is. And now you have to deal with it. I think the one no, the one good thing I can say about uh, this guy that that uh, I was with when I got tested, um, I remember when we left Washington West and I told you that I just like broke down and started crying. He said, "You can do this, or you can pick yourself up, and you can you know figure out what you're going to do." And that has has stuck with me. Like I I can still hear him saying it today. So, wow. Yep. Well, that's. That's awesome. There you go. You can either sit there and cry or pick yourself up and, and, and get yourself back together like James did himself. So, uh, James, where can people um, find you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle if they want to follow you? Uh, my Twitter handle is kind of confusing. Uh, it took me a long time <laughs> to get one. <laughs> it's, um, so my nickname is Pi, so my Twitter handle is 3.14, but it's T-H-R-E, or I'm sorry, T-H-R, Three three, and then the word point, and then the word one, and then four. <laughs> it's it's kind of confusing, but yeah. Wow, yeah. wow! <laughs> you you spend a lot of time watching The Big Bang Theory, don't you? I I love <laughs> The Big Bang Theory. Yes. <laughs> that but is math funny. is actually my worst subject. I can't stand it, but uh, I embrace it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, James, yeah. thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And you know, thank you you're for having awesome. me. I love you. I think uh, you're, you're awesome. an incredible guy. So, <laughs> thank, thank you, you for uh, for hanging out with us. And it was great to see you last night. And I'm sure we'll be oh, hanging yeah. out again throughout the new year. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Jeremy, it was very good talking to you again. It was, you know, likewise, James. And I hope we get to oh. stay uh, more in touch on Facebook. Definitely. Definitely. All right, James. Well, you have a great night, cool. man. You too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yep. All right, everybody. And we want to thank you all for joining us this evening. We are about to end the show. So 
Um, for more information on Jeremy Dunn, you can go to PositivelySpeaking.com. For more information on myself and the show and past shows, you can go to posim.com. We want to thank you all for tuning in. We hope you have a great and happy, healthy new year. Um, and, 2015 and be is safe in your celebrations. Yes, yes. Be safe all the time. It's very, very important. So have a good night, Jeremy. I will you speak too. to you next week. Next we'll week we're going to have a fabulous – wait a minute. Yes, next year our first show is going to be an amazing guest. His name is Jason King. And he is um, from Florida and works for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. And he's an amazing, beautiful human being. And he'll come on and share his story next week, so you don't want to miss that as well. Jeremy, have a good night, man. You too, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS, I'm greater than. This is Senior Chaos, and this was my deciding moment. Tell us yours at greaterthan.org.